Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Today on Inside Politics, the president tries to thread the needle on his biggest political vulnerability, the crisis at the southern border. Sources tell us that he's looking at new executive actions that could restrict asylum claims and are certain to anger many of the Democrats he needs to propel him to four more years. Plus, Nikki Haley answers a reproductive rights question with a riddle as she tries to straddle the answer to the question of whether frozen embryos are people after an Alabama court said they are. It's already pausing fertility treatments in that state and providing fodder for Democrats nationally. And New Hampshire's governor and Haley supporter Chris Sununu joins me live to talk about her campaign's path forward, if there is one, and more. I'm Dana Bash. Let's go behind the headlines and inside politics. Up first, the president attempts to course correct on the border again. But how he plans to do it is propelling a freakout among some of the progressives that Joe Biden needs to win the White House again. The Biden plan under consideration would rely on a Trump-era maneuver to boot migrants from the U.S. faster, and sources say it would extend some of the toughest measures included in a now-dead border bill. Let's start our coverage with CNN's Priscilla Alvarez. Priscilla, what are your sources telling you about, about what exactly the president is trying to do? Dana, sources are telling me that White House officials are currently looking at an authority that already exists in immigration law that essentially allows the president to decide who is eligible to come into the United States. In this context, that means limiting the ability of migrants to seek asylum if they cross the border illegally. Now, I'm also told that lawyers are looking at this. They're reviewing whether it's legally viable after former President Donald Trump tried something very similar in 2018 and was blocked by the courts. Now, an administration official said this is one of many options that are being evaluated and no final decision has been made. The White House telling me in a statement, quote, no executive action, no matter how aggressive, can deliver the significant policy reforms and additional resources Congress can provide and that Republicans reject it. We continue to call on Speaker Johnson and House Republicans to pass the bipartisan deal to secure the border. Of course, the White House there referring to that Senate border compromise that is now dead and was tanked by Republicans that included some of the most uh, tough border security measures in recent memory, including a shutdown authority. The president had embraced that over the course of the negotiations. He's clearly here trying to flip the script again and show that he too can be tough on the border going into November. And Priscilla, you've been covering this topic extensively for a long time. How is what is under consideration at the Biden White House different from some of the controversial Trump era policies. We don't know all the details yet to make a very clear comparison, but what I can tell you, Dana, is the ideas are very much the same. Again, in 2018, former President Donald Trump issued a presidential proclamation, so an executive action, so that he could block asylum entirely off at the U.S. southern border using this same authority. And that is part of the challenge that lawyers in the administration are facing right now, is how can they do this in a way that is different and will stand up in courts? But again, Dana, this has been an evolution for this White House. The 
president coming in in January of 2021 wanting to reform the immigration system, meaning roadblocks in Congress by Republicans, and now clearly taking a tougher approach on an issue that has been a political liability and has dogged him from the very beginning. No question about that, Priscilla. Thanks so much for that reporting. And while the proposed executive order is riling some progressives, one of Biden's more pragmatic allies told CNN this morning that he hopes the president goes through with it. The Republicans wanting to keep this immigration issue as a political issue rather than try to solve the problem. I would hope that President Biden will go forward uh, with his executive order, and I would hope that the executive order will stay within the four corners of this agreement uh, that was reached on the Senate side. I want to bring in my panel to talk more about this. Leanne Caldwell from The Washington Post, CNN's Daniel Strauss, and Amy Walter from The Cook Political Report. This is so fascinating. I mean, to say that this is a political Achilles heel is uh, such an understatement for, for President Biden. And of course, Priscilla used the word evolution. There's been more than an evolution. I mean, there's really been a, 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 a major shift um, by President Biden and his administration. To be fair, the crisis at the border has gotten much, much worse uh, throughout the years of his first term. Um, Amy, what are your thoughts, staying on just the, the raw politics of this, since this is inside politics, uh, <laughs> on, on what these moves are intended to do, and most importantly, whether or not it will help him with the voters he is trying to affect. That's right. I mean, I, I think that Congressman uh, Clyburn in your clip there sort of answered it, which is we need to take this issue off of the Republican playbook uh, for the 2024 election, right? It is a not only a topic because it is uh, in, in front of our faces every single day, but it's having an impact on the very voters we need to encourage to come out and support us, those voters who are sitting in blue cities who are feeling the impact of this crisis on the border. So it's beyond just what's happening on the border, but how it's impacting Boston, Denver, et cetera. Um, but I think overall, in terms of the blowback from progressives, I don't know that it's going to give the same sort of blowback that maybe a couple of other topics mm -hmm. would have been. Um, and again, thinking about this from the standpoint of where the border sits today, um, there are other topics, I think, for progressives that they feel yeah. even more frustrated about, including I, like not having the crime bill or um, a police reform bill, mm -hmm. voting rights, those sorts of issues, the environment, um, just as problematic in Gaza, yeah. of course. As yeah, well. yeah, that, that's so interesting. But it doesn't mean that they're not planting their flag of Absolutely. opposition, right? AOC Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, said the following on social media, doing Trump impressions isn't how we beat Trump. Seeking asylum is a legal right of all people. In the face of authoritarian threat, we should not buckle on our principles. We should commit to them. The mere suggestion is outrageous, and the president should refuse to sign it. Sign it, meaning, I guess, whatever executive order that they're considering. What are you hearing from your sources uh, about this and whether or not they're saying this because they have to say this on yeah. the progressive side and whether it really will affect uh, voter turnout. So what the president is considering doing is predictable. This is something that Democrats on Capitol Hill, not the progressives, um, but others have 
been encouraging the president to do privately or have been talking about it amongst themselves. If this bipartisan border security bill falls apart, which it did within <laughs> minutes. Um, and so this was expected. And this is also uh, uh, calling Speaker Johnson's bluff because now Republicans have been saying no legislation is necessary for the border to become secure. The president has all the power. And so now the president is turning this on their on the head and saying, OK, if he does this. Um, and so it is trying to undercut Republican um, strength on the issue of the border. And the ones who are most um, anxious about this are the ones who are at risk of losing their election, the Democrats. And so they would encourage this. Let me just sort of pose the flip side of that argument, which is we heard for weeks and weeks, months, when the Senate bipartisan group was working on uh, a plan, which they ended up making that deal. Mm -hmm. And what we heard what, from the White House was we need Congress to legislate because the uh, immigration laws are so antiquated because it's been so politicized, they haven't been able to deal with it for decades. That is a fact. Um, and they also kind of push back on the notion that the president could do it himself. Now the president is saying he can do it himself. How does that play politically? I mean, look, it, it might actually fall into something that Democrats are increasingly gambling on, which is a more active President Biden. I mean, we saw this recently when he's discussed student loans. He has talked about how his administration pushed to relieve student loan debt that eventually met, was met with a very conservative-leaning Supreme Court, so he took executive action. And here, too, depending on how they present this to the American public, it might work to act as a salve to one of the bigger liabilities that Biden is facing, uh, critiques about his age. And what that really is, is are critiques about how effective and how uh, vibrant and active he is as a president. So we'll see what happens. Oh, wow. That really got everyone talking. <laughs> no, I just, like, on the progressive thing, I want to come back to the yeah. progressives. Um, the Biden campaign and the Biden administration is betting that once Donald Trump is yes. in everyone's and face, then they are going to forgive all of President Biden's sins on the issue, on immigration, on Gaza, et cetera. We'll see if that happens. They're not worried about them voting for Donald Trump. The question is, do they stay home right. or not? Right. And, right. and um, just to sort of as, as I bring you in, Amy, um, put some meat on the bone of what you were talking about with regard to student loan debt. It is true uh, that the conservative court said, no, 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 you can't do what you wanted to do. But he did find ways work around it, workarounds. I mean, just look at some of what we're talking about. He, um, his, the original plan was $400 billion uh, in student loan debt relief. It was blocked by the Supreme Court. But even as... Um, Recently as this week, he was able to add additional, again, workarounds to completely forgive some very specific sectors of the population, depending on how their student loan debt is structured and so on and so forth. $138 billion is not something to sneeze right. at. And we talked yesterday about the fact that the president himself wrote a congratulatory note as part of this email, which uh, is, is very interesting. Yeah, well, it goes back to where you all started this conversation about um, using executive authority and whether that comes back and ultimately sets a precedent that then the next president can go ahead and use and say, well, hold on a second. 
he used this authority, but now when I use it, it's a problem. And this is what I hear from progressives as well. It's not as much about the actual policy itself. Yes, they would agree that what Trump is proposing, especially when it comes to uh, this idea of going after people who are here illegally and deporting them, is going to look much more dramatic than whatever the president is going to do on the border. But at the end of the day, uh, what they'll say is he's setting a precedent that other presidents can use with executive authority and taking it out of the hands of Congress or even the courts. Okay, everybody stand by because I want to move quickly to another story that's affecting a lot of people. If your phone isn't working today, you're not alone. A massive AT&T outage paralyzed much of the country's mobile network. CNN's Brian Fung has details. Brian, what do we know? Yeah, Dana, it seems as though as of this moment, uh, AT&T says about three quarters of its network has been restored after a massive outage uh, that affected multiple parts of the country beginning early hours of this morning. Um, tens of thousands of people reported that they had no service on their AT&T phones uh, across the country. Um, many people who were on Verizon and T-Mobile also reported some similar outages, although both of those companies say that their networks were unaffected. And if you are a Verizon or a T-Mobile, mobile customer. Uh, one reason that you may be experiencing issues is because you're trying to call an AT&T customer who is affected. Um, all of which is to say this is a, a you know, big thorny headache for many millions of Americans this morning. Still continuing ongoing as we speak, uh, although Verizon did tell me that they believe that uh, the issue will be resolved soon. Dana? Okay, thank you so much for that update, Brian. Appreciate it. And up next, Dickie Haley tries and tries again to answer a question that affects 8 million families or more a year, one with big ballot implications for November. We'll explain next. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. A big new development in Alabama, a second fertility, fertility clinic in the state suspended parts of its IVF treatments. That's after the state Supreme Court ruled that frozen embryos have the same rights as children, leaving many people trying to become parents stranded. 
About 2% of U.S. births result from IVF, where the goal is to create genetically viable embryos outside the body to have a chance at successful pregnancy and live birth. It often involves creating many embryos, as many as possible, knowing that not all can be used. Sometimes the lucky families have extra frozen embryos. Now, right away, the decision became fodder on the campaign trail. Listen to Nikki Haley on NBC yesterday. I mean, I think, I mean, embryos to me are babies. Do you have concerns about the ways that that could hurt people who are seeking IVF treatment? I think that we have to have those conversations. That's incredibly personal. She was on CNN a few hours later and attempted to clarify. I didn't say that I agreed with the Alabama ruling. What the question that I was asked is, do I believe an embryo is a baby? I do think that if you look in the definition, an embryo is considered an unborn baby. My panel is back to talk about this very complicated but very uh, important and personal uh, issue that is has become political, uh, even more so in the last few days. Um, before we start the conversation, I just want to kind of set the table even more by listening to an IVF uh, patient, a woman in Alabama, about the confusion that this has sparked in her life. Do I have to keep those on frozen forever? Do I get to let the ones that are genetically abnormal pass naturally? Um, is my doctor going to be in any sort of danger by doing this procedure to me? It just, there's so many questions in the air right now. We love it here, um, but it definitely has made us think about whether or not we'll stay here long term. Um, and it wanted for sure we were going to try to transfer our embryos out of Alabama as soon as possible. Leanne, what do you think the political implications of all this is? So Re Republicans do not want to be talking about this. Um, the fact that few Republicans have come out with an opinion or position one way or the other is very telling. Um, Republicans have not even been able to come up with a clear and concise position on abortion um, in the nearly two years since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Democrats, on the other hand, are going to use this issue as another way to, um, to, to categorize Republicans as extreme, as trying to take away women's rights, um, and as just another example of what has proven to be very politically beneficial for Democrats is the issue of abortion and a woman's reproductive health. Right. So obviously there's abortion, which is the right to end a pregnancy. Yeah. And this is obviously... The other end of that spectrum, um, families who really want to have children, want to create life. And the, the science of that is incredibly complicated. This is why when you listen to what Democrats talk about on the campaign trail and in their advertising about the issue of abortion rights even, they talk about freedom. Mm -hmm. It is medical freedom. It is bodily freedom. And their argument has been it may be today that we're talking about limits on abortion access, but as we have seen in this case, it's now about IVF, and the Supreme Court is still making a is going to soon make a decision on uh, whether an abortion pill is uh, able to remain on the market. Mm -hmm. And so it, that it's gonna touch so many different pieces of our lives, it's not just going to be this one issue, which gets to the question then of how do Republicans solve for that? One idea 
you saw in the Virginia case with the governor coming out and saying, we're just going to put out a 15-week ban. We're going to make it really clear. Mm. Here's our position on this issue. But the challenge is, for so many voters, that is not the whole thing. Yeah. That's not the, that it is, it, it goes beyond this. And so just coming up with some sort of answer to the question about what do you believe the limit should be on abortion access, what we're seeing now is something that goes much beyond that. And, and it can't be solved for with a soundbite. No, no, not at all. And, and go ahead, do you want to say something? I, I was just going to say that the, the demographic that, of people that this impacts are people that um, whoever wins the presidency is absolutely going to need. It's, it's, people with health insurance that is able to uh, provide for mm -hmm. the coverage to get IVF, it, people with you know, middle-class families who are struggling, it's women, suburban women mm -hmm. in many instances. And so this is also a demographic that is, politically speaking, taking away all the personal implications of this is, um, is really a, a key demographic. I just wanna, um, Daniel, as I bring you in here, read a part of the judge's ruling uh, in Alabama, because it's about kind of the, the tricky questions of, of life and IVF and all that, but it's also about a worldview that was very much on display in the opinion, uh, the deciding opinion of the Supreme Court. Uh, he wrote, the theology, excuse me, the theology-based view of the sanctity of life adopted by the people of Alabama encompasses the following. God made every person in his image. Each person, therefore, has a value that far exceeds the ability of human beings to calculate, and the human life cannot be wrongly destroyed without incurring the wrath of a holy God who views the destruction of his image as an affront to himself. Some people look at that and say, um, those are your Christian values, and um, certainly there is a history of... Uh, God being evoked uh, since the beginning of this country, but that looking at this, people might, people already are saying this looks like um, a step towards Christian nationalism. Yeah, I think you're going to hear that from Democrats in the coming weeks and months. And uh, look, as Amy said, this is, I cannot think of a recent election where abortion conception was one of the major topics that Republicans really did well in. Um, this is an advantageous arena for Democrats here, and it's not often that an Alabama Supreme Court ruling, like the very text of it, gets national attention, mm -hmm. but that language there really falls into concerns among swing voters and suburban voters, the kind of voters that are going to decide this election, not only for the presidency, but for major federal elections, for gubernatorial elections, and for uh, down ticket ones, which are very influential in uh, Americans' daily and, life. And on that note, I don't believe, unless it's happened since we came on the air, that Donald Trump has weighed in on this. He is somebody who is very well aware of uh, the sort of swing voter, even though he's the one who put the justices on the Supreme Court that overturned Roe, he's very well aware of the political perils for Republicans like himself. That's right. And so trying to thread that needle on, well, I don't really want an abortion ban, and maybe we should come up with, uh, right, I think he said 16 weeks, mm -hmm. like the round number, was that oh, the... that was campaign. That was, yeah. okay. But the point being... Yeah. 
that he too wants to find an answer to this, but that the problem that Republicans have when I listen to voters, especially in these focus groups, especially women, what they come back with is they don't really trust uh, Republicans on these issues, number one. So whether they say 15 weeks or 10 weeks or whatever. And the second is that they see this as more than just about abortion, that they see this as fundamentally yeah. a freedom issue. Okay, everybody stand by because up next, the South Carolina primary, it's only two days away. Nikki Haley's fate may be on the line. I'm gonna talk with one of her top supporters, Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire. He's here next. South Carolina's Republican primary is just two days away and Nikki Haley and Donald Trump are taking different approaches in the final stretch. Haley is crisscrossing her home state today, while Trump will be speaking at the National Religious Broadcasters Association in Nashville, Tennessee. CNN's Jeff Zeleny joins us live from Berkeley County Library outside of Charleston. Lucky you, Jeff. Uh, I know you just caught, off, caught up with the former <clears throat> presidential candidate who endorsed Donald Trump, Tim Scott. What did he tell you? Well, hey, Dana, uh, Senator Scott was dropping by the library here uh, to vote. It's still early voting in South Carolina. In fact, this is the last day of early voting in the presidential race. And there's been a steady stream of uh, voters coming in here to cast ballots as we've been talking to them for Nikki Haley and for Donald Trump. Of course, Senator Scott is now a big supporter of Donald Trump. He cast his vote for him. But we asked him about the uh, trajectory of this race and if he believes Nikki Haley should step aside after Saturday. The one person that stands in the way of having a conversation between Joe Biden and Donald Trump is Nikki Haley. And so getting out of the way is incredibly important, not for the party, but for America's future. So, of course, there is no love loss between former Governor Nikki Haley and Senator Tim Scott. She appointed him to his position more than a decade ago, but they were rivals on the presidential campaign trail, and they really have been in other ways as well. Uh, so he's urging her to step aside. She, of course, has been saying she is going nowhere. She is competing very aggressively for this South Carolina primary. She said she's going on to Michigan next week, onto the Super Tuesday uh, states the week after that. But, Dana, the, the big question here hanging over this race, can Nikki Haley slow the march to the nomination of Donald Trump? Can she slow some of his rise? So much has happened really since the New Hampshire primary, of course, on the world stage as well as in the, the courtroom here at home. So many voters we're talking to uh, are saying that they are indeed following them. So the question on Haley's voters' minds is uh, what comes next for her? Many believe she should stay in this race. Others say if she gets out, uh, they're not sure they can vote in the November election. But for her part, all... Uh, uh, systems are campaigning until Saturday. She's really aggressively trying to get out the vote. And as of now, the early vote, uh, about 165,000 people have voted so far on this final uh, day of voting here. So she's not uh, giving up by any stretch. She believes South Carolina is still very competitive. We'll see you on Saturday, Dana. Jeff, thanks so much for that reporting. Here now is New Hampshire Governor and Nikki Haley supporter, Chris Sununu. Thank you so much for being here. Um, what do you think some of the answers are to the questions that Jeff just posed down there from South Carolina voters? We're hearing this um, nationally from Republicans, which is she's adamant she's staying in the race. Yep. What's the end game? 
Uh, well, again, you know, I, I'm going to start with Nick, Tim Scott's comments, right, which is N Nikki Haley is in the way. Well, that means the process is working, right, because the process shouldn't just be garnering and granting a, uh, a nomination to someone because the party elite say or just because a couple states say. you got to let the process, and the process is the voters, right? So whether it's South Carolina going into Super Tuesday, Nikki's been raising money like crazy. She's got resources. She's got a lot of folks behind her. Um, in a lot of those Super Tuesday states, they've barely even started campaigning, really, so that she, she has the ground troops there uh, working with Americans for Prosperity, all these other conservative groups that have gotten behind her. So there's a path. And it's not just slowing the former president down. That's not what it's about. It's about actually making her case. Why, um, you know, this isn't just about the nomination, but winning in November, having other seats win in November, the value that she brings to the entire ticket and moving the entire uh, party forward from a generational standpoint. A path to what? To the presidency. Yeah, Nikki, Nikki's, Nikki's not going to get, Nikki's plan right now is to be president, as it should be. Um, but to do that, she has to win delegates. Um, and and she, never mind she, South yeah. Carolina, but going She's winning forward, delegates. She's collecting those delegates. She's only there's a lot of winner take all. Uh, there are a lot of winner take all states. There are. And that's the whole point. There's a lot Tuesday. of states to go. Right. And I think that's the point where we've had two states. So anyone who thinks that we should just give up the, the, the nomination process just because two states and a few hundred thousand voters. But she's tr not trying to make a point. You think she genuinely yeah. truth serum can win the nomination. Oh, it can happen, absolutely. Look, she's the underdog. Look, just because you're the underdog going against the, the favorite and you're down by a few points in the first quarter doesn't mean you walk off the court and, and give up in the game. I'm from New England, right? When the Yankees are up three games to nothing, we don't stop. You know, there's always, there's always a path to victory here. Um, and especially in politics. If, if we've learned anything over the past few years, anything can happen at any time. So she's going to stay in it. She's going to collect delegates. She's going to keep moving forward, at least through Super Tuesday. I think she should, at least. And, uh, and she's got the resources and the backing to do it. I want you to listen to something that Governor Haley said about the former president. She said this just yesterday, and it's in the wake of his refusal to condemn Russian leader Vladimir Putin following the death of Alexei Navalny. Trump is siding with a dictator who kills his political opponents. Trump is siding with a tyrant who arrests American journalists and holds them hostage. Trump sided with an evil man over our allies who stood with us at 9-11? Think about what that told them. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Look, Trump is making huge mistakes on the international stage, and there's a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans, a lot of folks in the military going, whoa, what is going on here? Right? So um, that's kind of why I go back to anything can happen. Now, he's still garnering strong polls because he gets all this victimization. And he, you know, every time he shows up in court, he does better. He knows that now. Um, he loves these court cases. They're helping him politically. Um, a, a lot of the calculus right now on the Republican Party, it's not that complex. It's, well, the enemy of the, my enemy is my friend. That's what a lot of just run-of-the-mill Republicans think. And if it's... it's Present company excluded, of course, the liberal media or the liberal establishment or those folks that are, you know, unfair, that they claim are unfairly dragging yeah. him through the through the trials. They say, well, if they're going against him, then he must be with us. And that's as deep as the calculation is going for some folks. OK, so so put that that's your sort of analysis of where voters are. I want to ask you as the governor of an important state about your calculus with your vote. Um, despite everything that you just said, take the court cases aside, just what he said on the international sure. stage. You still will support him as the nominee if he does become your party's nominee? Oh, he's the, look, I'm the Republican governor of New Hampshire. I'm going to support the nominee. I'm fighting as hard as I can to make sure that that's not the case. I think Nikki still has a shot. A lot of folks just want to dismiss her. I think she definitely has a shot. But l let's also remember the average American right now, polls, Trump is winning in some polls because the average American is saying, 
if I may, these elitists, specifically out of Washington, D.C., these liberals are standing on the shoulders of how this country was built and defended, telling us how to live our lives. We just want to connect with someone that has a fight. Nikki has that fight, and that's why she's doing well. Trump is, it just has this brand of 30 years that a lot yeah. of folks are going to get behind. And I, and I understand that analysis. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. But for you in particular, I guess a lot of people, <clears throat> just like Nikki Haley, is uh, saying that she would still support him. It's it's a bit confounding to how people... You know the alternative is Joe Biden, right? I mean... You, so Joe, you genuinely think... Joe Biden Donald, can't get off a stage. You genuinely think yeah. Donald Trump would be a, pre, a better president. And given, by the way, it's not given Joe Biden. Everything, yeah. it's, Donald Trump would be a better president than Joe Biden, despite all of the things that Nikki Haley said that you agree with, like he's siding with dictators who kills political opponents uh, and so on and so forth. Look, it's not just Joe Biden. It's the Kamala Harris factor, right? I mean, is Biden going to But he's be running for, against Joe Biden. Uh, right now he's. I don't think Biden's ultimately on the ticket. That's a whole other conversation we can have. But um, I mean, I've been predicting that for nine months. I think it's going to come true. But, but at the, the bottom end of the line day, is that you will still support Donald Trump despite your serious reservations. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's a primary. We're going to go at, at each other, and of, of course. But at the end of the day, uh, Washington is completely inept. That's why I'm a governor. I love governors. If you want to see where stuff gets done and where people still have some faith in government, it's at the governor's level, right? That's one of the reasons why I like Nikki so much. She yeah. was a governor. She understands accountability. She understands that concept. And bringing that to Washington but, is such a, an opportunity. Let me just turn to what's happening in Alabama. <clears throat> the Supreme yeah. Court there ruled that frozen embryos are children. Uh, it's already having a chilling effect on IVF in that state. Two facilities have already paused treatment. Do you agree with the ruling? No. Oh, no, no. I, I definitely don't agree with the ruling. I definitely believe it's going to it's obviously having a chilling effect on IVF. You want to make sure that those those um, uh, services are available. That, that's critical. Um, but these it's a great point, unfortunately, that this is these are states issues now. Right. So the people that affects the most are right there in Alabama. Uh, those voters are going to have to decide whether this is the leadership in the, in the direction they want. Probably not a decision you'd get in New Hampshire or would be supported in New Hampshire or California or Missouri. Every state's going to be different, right? And so these, whether on, on all these issues of abortion and, and pro-life, pro-choice and all that, it's all driven at the, at the state, at state level right now. Very little is going to ever happen again at the federal level because you're going to need 60 U.S. senators to vote on anything. Neither side is going to get that anytime soon. So this is where the, the, the uh, really... Uh, conversations have to happen. And the, the, the only upside to this is I would hope the vo voters in Alabama say, well, this is not what we want. And they make some sort of change electorally. So you don't think there's any national role here? It, well, I mean, this uh, is again, this is practically speaking. No, you're not going to get 60 votes for much that you do. Unless you have never a really mass consensus. Speaking, should there? Should this be one issue that the federal government says, you know what, if yeah. people want to uh, expand their families, and we, yeah. we, the party says, that a lot of people say we're pro-life. Yeah, I could agree more. Look, you're talking to a guy who never wanted Roe v. Wade undone in the first place. Right. But it was undone. I try to live in the, in the now, live in the practical, live in what the, the reality is, which is it's a, it's a state's issue right now. And every state is, I think over the next three or four years, every state's going to have this bumpy road of mm -hmm. finding out where this comes, whether it's on the, the, the number of weeks, what IVF is, viability, all this kind of stuff. As you said earlier, it's a very personal issue. It's mm -hmm. a very, it can be a regional and political issue. I don't think it's political. Are you worried that politically it could hurt Republicans across the country? Um, it has hurt Backlash? Republicans. No, look, the abortion issue to? as a whole, Republicans usually are floundering all over the place trying to figure out where, where they need. One of the reasons why Nikki's pro-life and I'm pro-choice, but we both have the same uh, you know, philosophy in terms of the, the policies, which are you got to let the states decide because that's the role. And let's not try to overly campaign on something that's just not going to happen out of Washington, D.C.
Just really briefly, I, I wanted to ask you about the Chief Justice in Alabama. I know Alabama is not New Hampshire, like yeah. for a million reasons. I have not but, gotten his Christmas card. But what, but what <laughs> he said uh, was he gave a theological view on the sanctity of life. And in the end of uh, part of his opinion, he said, human life cannot be wrongly de wrongfully destroyed without incurring the wrath of a holy God who views the destruction of his image as an affront to himself. Does it concern you that people will read that who are you know, worried about the Republican Party, the rise of Christian nationalism, and say, aha? Well, so I think that's, there's two issues. Number one, I mean, you have the, the separation of church and state and, and mm -hmm. using theology and opinions and all of that. Um, I'm, I don't, again, let's not start bash, bashing Christians and, and folks no. that believe, you know, wholeheartedly it's, in... It's in, Christianity vis-a-vis -vis yeah, government I mean, policy. I, it sounds to me like, obviously, that judge overstepped his bounds in terms of using those arguments to, to, to make his case, right? Um, if you based everything on uh, religion, your, your own personal religion behind the bench, uh, it, it would be chaos everywhere, right? Everyone would just kind of make up as, as they go and, and whatever they believe in the moment. There are rules. You have to make sure you're following the law, and that's what the court needs to do. So I can't speak to that too much other than to say uh, I don't think that would fly in a place like New Hampshire and in most states. Um, but again, the voters have a say. The voters can say, look, this is not the leadership we want. This is not yeah. the direction we want to go. And leave it to, to those folks that are right on the ground there. And, and you know, obviously, I hope they make the change. I think most folks hope they do as well. Always great to have a spirited conversation with you. You bet. Governor, thank you so much thank for you. being here. Appreciate it. And a reminder to join CNN for live results and analysis of the South Carolina Republican presidential primary. Coverage begins on Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern, right here on CNN. Up next, Joe Biden unloads on Donald Trump off camera, but on the record, what he said after a quick break. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hacks Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max. Now to some new CNN reporting on how President Biden is embracing his bully pulpit to call out his political opponents. It's a tactic that's become more pronounced in recent days. And when it comes to what Donald Trump and Republicans in Congress are saying about Russia, Ukraine and NATO, he says it uh, very forcefully, for instance, at a fundraiser in San Francisco yesterday, he went off on Trump, comparing himself to Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Quote, he's comparing himself to Navalny and saying that because our country becomes more communist country, he was persecuted just like Navalny was persecuted. Biden added that if he had said that, you'd all think I should be committed. Biden also went after hardline Republicans for stalled Ukraine aid. Now, the reason why you're seeing that uh, in a quote and not hearing him say that is because he was talking in a clo uh, behind closed doors on the record, off camera at a fundraiser. And CNN's Arlette Science is here. Uh, Arlette, you're going to give us some new reporting. And as you bring that to us about how aggressive he's being, I'm interested in hearing what you're hearing from your sources about the avenues and the venues that he's using, places where there are no cameras. 
Yeah, Dana, we're seeing President Biden turning to using the bully pulpit more forcefully at a time when he's really trying to drive this contrast between him and former President Donald Trump, as well as Republicans when it comes to the issues of Russia and Ukraine. And we've seen this start to play out in, in two different types of venues. First, really over the last week and a half, he here at the White House in public events, he's more forcefully taking on Trump, even citing his name specifically in his attack, something that he's typically saved uh, for the campaign trails speeches or fundraisers, but also the president is really becoming a bit more unplugged in some of these fundraisers that he has with high dollar donors. He so far this week has had three fundraisers out in California. He'll have another one uh, today where he really uh, offered his unvarnished thoughts when it came to Trump, when it came to Putin, calling Putin a crazy SOB. Uh, and we know that part of this is because the president is personally incensed uh, by the fact that Trump has uh, made these comments suggesting that Vladimir Putin should do whatever the hell he wants to NATO countries. The president was aghast by that comment. He's also frustrated with the fact that Putin, uh, that Trump has not condemned Putin for Alexei Navalny's death. But Biden's also going after uh, Republicans in the House at well, as well. And last night even uh, suggested that they are worse than Strom Thurmond. Strom Thurmond, of course, was that noted se segregationist uh, in the Senate. The president really trying to drive home a lot of these arguments. And some of it's happening in those closed door fundraisers. Arlette, thank you so much for that reporting. Appreciate it. Up next, San Diego is getting a giant and furry delivery from China. We'll explain next. Today, proof that diplomacy comes in all shapes and sizes. The San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance confirms to CNN that the facility will get a loan, one that will require lots of bamboo. You're watching some old panda video, because why not? We all love watching video like this, especially given what we may see happen in the not so distant future. China sending two pandas to San Diego sometime soon. Now, it's a revival of the country's panda appeasement program. Beijing had greenlit shipping pandas to several European countries and Qatar in recent years, but not to the United States, it appears, until now. Thanks for joining Inside Politics. CNN News Central starts after the break. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.